Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power. And here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into the program again today. Colin and myself are delighted to have your company. And we are continuing our work, our study through this little book, Steps to Personal Revival, Being Filled with the Holy Spirit by Helmut Horbel. This is the little book that you can actually download for free on a PDF. It's very simple to find. You can simply go online and type in Steps to Personal Revival, and then you will find very easily PDFs available for you to download. It's as simple as that. But just before we start, we just invite you to bow your heads for a word of prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, it's always a privilege to talk about things that have eternal consequences. Father, the things that we currently do not see, the things that we see you tell us in your word are temporary. And Father, we just want to put our mind on another time and another place, things that we can see with the spiritual eye because your Holy Spirit convicts us, your word tells us about it. And Father, as we open your word and as we also look at steps to personal revival, we just pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit on those watching and listening and also on Colin and myself. We thank you for hearing our prayer, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are in Chapter 4 of this little book, Steps to Personal Revival, and the question is asked there, what difference can be expected? Now, the difference we're talking about is before the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then after. And we're talking about the advantages we have being filled with the Holy Spirit and, of course, what we lose if we do not pray and ask for the Holy Spirit. Now, I have many times sat in churches and I've listened to people talk about what we need to do to take up the gospel commission that Jesus gave his disciples. Go ye therefore and teach all nations is the commission. And then, you know, baptizing name in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all things that I've commanded you. And he says, lo, I'm with you always. But we have lost sight about the lo, I'm with you always, because Christ wants to be with us and be in us through the Holy Spirit. Now, while I sat there under deep conviction that I need to do something, I have at times felt really anxious. This has not been a message that I have embraced wholeheartedly. I've been convicted that I need to do it, but embracing it I found a little bit difficult because I didn't feel I had the capability of doing a Bible study or sharing that with people. Then I realized as I've started looking at the Bible and also the way the early church worked, the Pentecostal church worked, is that they spend a lot of time in prayer. They asked for the baptism, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit empowered them. I mean, our whole program is called You Shall Receive Power When the Holy Spirit Comes Upon You, and you'll be witnesses. So the reason why I wasn't the effective witness is because I had not received power, and I had not received power because I was not baptized by the Holy Spirit. The other thing is also very important to know is when you are speaking to someone, it's not your eloquence, it's not necessarily all your knowledge. It is the Holy Spirit and God's angels around that brings the convicting power. We cannot convict on spiritual matters. We don't have that natural ability. But the Holy Spirit is able to provide that for us. So our study today touches on these topics. So I'm really excited about it, Colin. I'm looking forward to it. That's right. And you're right. In Acts uh, chapter 1, Jesus says, You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you yes. to be witness, mm. they were to be a witness. So that they, was the purpose of it. They, they needed the power. You look at uh, in John chapter 20 on the day of resurrection, they're all huddled together for fear of the Jews in they John chapter petrified, 20. They were petrified, really scared. On the day of resurrection, a few weeks later, there's Peter boldly preaching in the temple. Mm. What happened? 
What happens to that? The, he's not the same guy, is he? He's not. He was filled with the Holy Spirit the day Pentecost came. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, mm. and he received the power to go boldly and share the witness. And we also need that power today. Amen. To, yes. to be a witness, you need the power of the Holy Spirit mm. to go boldly. And so what we're going to look at today, though, is God's prophetic word for the last days. And God has a custom of revealing important developments through his prophets. We can look in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, where God gives counsel about before he does anything. Yeah. He reveals it through his prophets. That before, is really exciting. That's right. Because, I mean, and a way for us to find out what God is planning on doing is to spend time in the prophecies. Yes. But it says here, Amos chapter 3, verse 7, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. So before Jesus returns, last day events, God is going to reveal those things through his prophets, through his prophets in the Old Testament, New Testament, but also the Bible talks about, and Peter talks about in the last days, mm. you know, uh, there will be there will be prophets. That's right. In the last days. Yeah, the old men will dream dreams and the young men will see visions, we're told in Joel chapter 2. That's right. So prophecy yeah. will be... Uh, be there in the last days. It will be part of the church like it was at the Pentecostal church. What we want to know today, mm. and we're going to study a little bit today, is how do we tell the difference between a false prophet and a true prophet? Because, Very important question. Because it also talks about there will be false prophets mm. in the last days. That's right. So we know that God has a custom of revealing important developments through his prophets, as we just read in Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Mm. And thus he gave an important prophetic message for the last days, and I believe he gave it through the ministry of Ellen G. White. Yes, this woman had many, many visions and uh, and prophecies. And since many things would be completely different than in past time, it was important necessary to have relevant additional information from God today. That's so, right. you know, we're talking the Bible was written, what, how long ago? 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So the last book was probably written by John the Revelator around 95, 96 AD. AD. So do you think that God, if there was more information to give, more relevant information today, that he would raise Prophet. Prophets, that's right. In the last days. Hmm. And I would like to call it, it's like an update. Right, okay. An update. And according to Ellen White, these messages are relevant until Jesus comes again. And since her counsel includes lifestyle changes, so she had a vision in 1863, I believe, or hmm. in the 1800s, something, about health. That's right. Health, health vision. And all the things now today that science are finding out. She was given a vision over 150 years ago about health, mm. like vegetarian diet, how healthy it was, about how meat had cancerous germs in it. Now today, just last year, I saw in the news yeah. that you know the newspapers and that were saying, yes, they've discovered that meat, guess what, mm. has carcinogenic you know, uh, germs in it. Yeah, and if you had problems with, with breathing or lung infections or problems, what did they describe? Smoking, smoking cigars, smoking cigarettes because they will help your lungs. What did that do? It actually makes your lungs worse. <laughs> That's right. And they had bloodletting. And she spoke against those things. That's right. She was given a vision of God. And today, science has caught up to that mm. and is validating the vision she had medically from science as yeah. well. That's right. So she also had reproof. Um, and a spiritual person can more easily accept it than a carnal person. Talking about reproof. Yeah, about anything. Yes. Yeah. Spiritually, anything. Th spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. That's right. Now, but just because someone takes these counsels seriously, it doesn't automatically mean that they are spiritual. And it would be wise to think about the words in Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, verse nineteen. Let's read that, Etienne. Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, and reading verse nineteen. 
And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Now he's talking about the prophet. Yes. So it, what he's saying is, and it shall be whoever will not hear my words, which he, talking about the prophet, prophet yeah. speaks in my name, I will require it of him. So if God raises up a prophet in yeah. the last days, all right, and gives counsel, if you don't hear him, what's he saying? I require it of him. That's right. So a prophet speak for the Lord. So basically, if you reject the word of the prophet, you're rejecting the originator of that, that message, which is God. That's right. This clearly shows us that the message from a true prophet doesn't have to do with that person. They do with that person. Yes. But That's rather right. with God himself. Mm. Now, how can we know if someone is a true prophet? That's the question we want to ask. How That's, do we know? It? That is a very important question. To and ask. I believe God's word gives us five test points or five points to test a true prophet from a false prophet. Mm. And I believe a true prophet will comply with all these five points. So let's okay. have a look at God's word and let's have a look. The first one I want to find is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do not men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit you will know them. Yes, so therefore, 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 the word therefore means everything I've said before, Yeah. Well, I've written before, beware of false prophets, okay, then so therefore by their fruits you will know them. So the test number one is there will be good fruits. Mm. Okay, their life will be one of good and fruits. And there'll be consistent good fruit because I mean that's something that cannot be faked. As it clearly said, if someone is not a false prophet, he is not a good tree. He's a bad tree, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. That's right. So mm. therefore by their fruits you will know them. Test number one. Okay. Test number two. We want to go to Deuteronomy chapter eighteen verses twenty one to twenty two and look at test number two. Okay, and it says, If you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Well, that's a great question, isn't it? Then verse 22, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So what's the second test? The second test is, for example, Prophecies will come true. Yeah. So it's not, uh, is this prophet 70% accurate or he's got a 50-50 on each oh. thing? Because I've seen some people even on Christian television where they speak regarding prophecies. And he says, well, I get it right most of the time. I don't get it right all of the time. Well, sorry, that makes you a false prophet according to the standard of the word of God. If a prophet says something that's supposed to happen and it doesn't, then you know it's a prophet that God has not sent. There's something like conditional prophecy yes. as well. And we know Nineveh, for example, you know, the prophet says God's going to destroy it. Yes. And then God relents from that. Why? Because the circumstances that required destruction were changed. That's right. They repented. So the sins that caused destruction were then repented of, and the Lord was um, merciful with them. A lot of prophecies are if. if. The word if, they're conditional. Uh, that's right. Okay. So, so Nineveh repented mm. of their sins, and God relented. From destroying Nineveh. That's right. So there's what's con what's a conditional, conditional prophecies. Yeah. Test number three is found in Deuteronomy chapter thirteen, 
verses 1 to 5. Okay, now this deals with the other side of the equation where a prophet does say something, but he may be a false prophet, and by coincidence he happens to get it right. Yes. So we're reading from verse 1 of Deuteronomy 13. If there arises amongst you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. Right. So it's a call for loyalty to God. Secondly, do you notice that any prophet that leads you away from keeping God's commandments. So if a prophet says the commandments have been done away with. Yes. It's a false prophet. It's a false prophet. That's right. Anything Uh, that separates you from your relationship with the Lord, because this is all about restoration of our relationship with the Lord that was broken through sin. If a prophet comes and he happens to get it right through a prophecy, but then leads you away from your creator... Well, he's a false prophet because or from he's the not, word of God or from the word of God or for what the word of God says yeah. it, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, the Bible says there is no light. in That's them. probably a big test there, isn't it? Mm. If they don't uh, uh, talk according to what the other prophet said. That's right. And if you go through all the Old Testament, OK, mm. and all the New Testament, every one of them agreed with each other in keeping the commandments of God. They do. Every right. single one of them. So therefore, uh, a true prophet. All right. Will always. Keep God's word, adhere to God's word. Mm. And if you read that text there, it says, and keeping the commandments Commandments, of God. So there's another test as well. Absolutely. Now, the next one, test number four, is found in 1 John chapter 4, Mm. verse 1 to 3. And it says there, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Right. So so a true prophet will recognize Jesus as a true person who came in the flesh, mm. came in Whose flesh? Our flesh. Came in our flesh. Yeah. Was make, ma- made our in fallen life. humanity, the humanity that needed redeeming, that needed reconciliation back to God. Now, it's interesting to see that the Antichrist is the one that says that he has not come in the flesh. Now, Antichrist may say it's come in the flesh, but it may be a flesh that's different to ours. It yes. may be a flesh that doesn't actually need redeeming, like Adam's prelapsarian nature. Yeah, there's many so, things. Many things, and they talk about also people. But they were spiritualized back then as well. They were going mm. to. He came in the spirit. He didn't really come. That's right. He didn't come in the likeness of our flesh. The so, other thing we also notice here is that Antichrist actually claims to be a prophet, but this is a test to know who's Antichrist and who is not, because he says that Christ hasn't come in the flesh, which is sarks, which is our fallen humanity. That's right. So yeah. there's another test as well. Now, here's another one, John chapter 17, verse 17. 
John 17, verse 17, which is very similar to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 21 to 22. Yeah. Okay. John and 17, 17. What it does says, that say? Sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. So what's the truth? Thy word. So the word of God. True yes. prophet will agree with all the other prophets mm. that the Holy Spirit spoke through from Genesis right through to Revelation. They will agree with the teachings of the Bible. Yes. Okay. They won't be going off offshooting and having teachings that are outside the Bible, the Scripture. So all of God's commands, including his counsels through the prophets, are for our own good. That's why they're exceptionally valuable. Hence, spiritual people can obey in God's power and with joy and know that it contributes to the success in life. Mm. And I just love what 2 Chronicles Chapter 20, verse 20 says. Yeah, that's a, a, another great text. It says, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Wow. So if you believe in the word of God and 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 uh, do what the prophets say to do, because remember, mm. the prophets, Holy Spirit is speaking through the prophets. So that's who's right. actually speaking? It's the Holy Spirit or God speaking God is through speaking the through mm. the prophets. So if you listen to the prophets, what happens? You shall be established, and then you shall prosper. Now, what happened in the Old Testament, right throughout the Old Testament, you continually read that the people and the kings and the priests and the leaders did not listen to the prophets, no. like Jeremiah. They didn't listen to Jeremiah. And what happened to Israel? Well, they were destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, that's, weren't they? That's right. They constantly rejected the prophets' counsel. Mm. And they went to false prophets who told them what they wanted to hear. Yes, Matter of fact, we can see a lot of those sermons about those same issues in the sermons that we see of Stephen. We see it in the sermons of um, Paul the Apostle in, in the book of Acts, where Stephen says, for example, Joseph, who had prophetic dreams when he told his brothers, they hated him because of the prophecy. So then they, almost, they wanted to kill him, and then they sold him into slavery. Yes. Rejected by man, but chosen by God. And then Moses as well. Moses went to go and help the children of Israel. He was rejected. He says, the one guy says to him, who's made you a, a, a leader Ruler, over, yes, yeah, yes. over us? Rejected by his people, but then chosen by God. And all the way through, even Jesus, Jesus rejected by his people, the Messiah, yes. more than a prophet, rejected by the people, but chosen by God to be our Savior. John the Baptist. You can go right through the Bible. Mm. And, you know, even in the New Testament says, didn't you, you killed the prophets, you stoned them, you killed all of them that I sent, sent to you. That's right. And so what was, the, what was the outcome of them rejecting the prophecies? Well, it was continually the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel mm. and, 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 and the nation of Israel. Continually, That's right. there was consequences. All because of unbelief. Now, basically. if you believe him, though, you mm. shall prosper. You shall prosper. Okay? And that's the same in the last days. If God has sent us uh, prophecy in the last days, let's... Let's just say Ellen G. White, for example, with the prophetic word that God has given her. If you listen to it, and she's from God, if you listen to that, you shall what? Prosper. If you don't listen to it, what will happen? Well, the opposite. The opposite, exactly. It's not a good alternative. But the thing is, though, you would expect any true prophet from God, based on what we read in the Old Testament and even the New Testament, will be rejected by most people. That's right. And so we know that the spirit of prophecy in Ellen G. White agreed with all the prophets right throughout the Bible. Mm. She agreed with keeping the commandments of God. That's right. All ten of them, mm. including the fourth commandment, that thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. Amen. The seventh day. So she agreed with all the prophets. Did her That's biblical. Have her have her have her visions and her prophecies come true? Yes. Yes. I mean you can get books on that. You can contact us and we can put you in touch mm. with books that all about the prophecies made that have come true. That's right. That she agrees with the other prophets 
in the in the Old Testament and mm. the New Testament. And what I love about the prophets, whether it be Old Testament, New Testament, or even a Latter Day prophet, is that they all talk about the urge, urgency in the pre. Eminence and the importance of the second coming of Jesus Christ That's right That is their focus And they talk about it almost like it's here and now Get ready But if we lose that urgency God is actually waiting for us to have that flame rekindled in us Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit So that we can actually get urgent and excited about what lies ahead So that we can actually be ready when Jesus comes It's amazing Etienne I must admit that you know when I started um, you know Surrendering my life daily, mm. surrendering and repenting of my sins and, and asking to be filled or baptized or anointed with the Holy Spirit daily yeah. to have Christ live out his life in and through me. I, I remember that I had a, the Holy Spirit convicted me to start reading the Spirit of Prophecy. Okay. Reading the books again, like The Great Controversy, The Desire oh, of Ages, book. and Steps to Christ, and Patriots and Prophets, you know, these wonderful books that Ellen G. White wrote. The Holy mm. Spirit started convicting me to read them. And so I've been reading them every day, reading wow. the Word of God and the Spirit of Prophecy oh, every day. All incredible books here, Desire yeah. of Ages about the life of Jesus, the insights there, but great controversy in regards to what's going to happen, not only happened historically, but what's going to happen in the future is yes. a mind blower. Oh, absolutely. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit has convicted me to start reading them and reading them a lot more yes. because these, a lot of these books that she's written are pertinent to our days. That's right. You know, surely the Lord does nothing. I mean, we're talking about the biggest event that's ever happened in the history of mankind, mm. apart from Jesus coming and dying on yes. the cross, Jesus returning as king, yeah. the second coming of Jesus. We're talking about the final crisis on planet Earth, the mark of the beast crisis, mm. you know, that's going to divide this earth into two groups. That's right. Those right. who keep the commandments of God and those who don't keep the commandments mm. of God. Those who receive the mark of the beast and those who receive the seal of God. That's right. We're talking about major consequential events. But if the whole world's going to wander after the beast, the only way that the deception can be broken is through the word of God and the Holy Spirit. That's right. Convicting. So if God mm. has sent us a prophet in the last days, all right, who amplifies and explains uh, the Bible, okay, and agrees with the Bible, mm. if God has sent us someone and we don't listen to that, yeah. Then what is it saying? If well, you believe it, you shall prosper. Yeah, but if you right. don't believe God it, wants us to prosper spiritually. That's why he sends his prophets. But the prophets get rejected. And what the message is is really receive the message of the Lord through his spokespeople, his messengers, his prophets, through his prophets. So whoever rejects the prophetic word closes himself the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Okay. And the result today is no different than what it was then, back in ancient Israel and the early church. It's a loss of relationship with God and being open to negative influences. Mm. So what I want to look at now is what happens, what happens, you know, with a church, its missionary work, when the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, what would be the outward, the fruits of that? Mm. And we're going to look at that as well. Fantastic. Uh, you know, the planning and the strategies and uh, the methods of the church and its mission work. And it's a question of our plans and strategy. It mainly has to do with the strength of the church spiritually and winning more souls. Yes. Really, I believe that the early church, the early Adventist church, which was Adventist church, they believe in the second coming of Jesus. Mm. Did they not? They did. Absolutely. Yeah. When Jesus, on the day of uh, when he was resurrected, sorry, when he went back to heaven, the ascension, the angels stood by and says the same way Jesus went up into the clouds, he's going to return. So straight away, 
the last thing they saw Jesus, the, the prophecy, the last Jesus, was Jesus was going to come again. That's right. The same Jesus in like manner would return. The second advent of Jesus yes. Christ. So mm. they were Adventists. That's right. Yeah, Advent, Adventist just simply means looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ. They also kept the commandments of God. Mm. You know, you read right through John's writing, continually saying, you know, here are they that keep the commandments of God. Yeah, if you Paul, love me, keep my commandments. Paul, the commandments, we're not under law, but we uphold the law. That's right. We do not make the the, the law void through faith. On the contrary, we establish the law. Romans chapter 3. 3.31. So yeah. Paul, right through his writing, James as well, mm. upholds the law of God, the Ten Commandments. All of those early uh, church, right, kept the commandments of God, including the Seventh-day Sabbath. So they really were Seventh-day Adventists. That's right. And the thing is, you know, they uphold the law and they also strive against preaching against legalism. Yes. So the upholding of the law and legalism is not the same thing. It's the it's the approach to it. If it's done by faith, by surrender, by dying to self, denying self, taking up our cross and following Jesus, being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, having Christ living his life within us, that's the only way that the demands of the law can be satisfied. That's right. And remember the new covenant uh, in Hebrews chapter 8 and 10, yes. which was basically a repeat of the promise in the Old Testament of Jeremiah 20, uh, 31, 31 yes. and Ezekiel, I believe, 36, 36 yes. which says, God says, oh, Talking about God will what? He will put his spirit in our hearts. He'll give yeah. us a new heart. He will cause us to walk in his laws. Yes. And in, in the statutes, and we'll be able to observe them. But he writes it in our minds, puts it in our minds, writes it in our hearts. So it pertains to a change in our thoughts and even a change in the way we feel, our feelings as and, well. And who's doing the work? It's God. It's, I will. God says, I will do this. Yeah, I will. I will remember your sins no more. I will yeah. give you a new heart. I will put my spirit in you. Mm. And so under the new covenant, when you read Hebrews in chapter 8 and 10, that's exactly what happened. The new yes. covenant is is made possible because of Jesus dying mm. on the cross. That's right. And resurrecting. And so that's what the new covenant is under, is under Jesus, under a new covenant with Jesus as the and the law is the basis of the covenant. Mm. Look, what I'm so grateful about is that the gospel tells us that there's a power outside of ourselves that can do for us which we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot keep the law of God. Our nature is too weak. We cannot measure up to the standard of righteousness. We cannot save ourselves. If we had to pay the price for our own sins, it will be eternal. It will be mm. eternal death. But we have a savior, one who said he'll take us as we are. Through him we can be dead to self, we can be crucified with Christ, we can be buried and then raised to newness of life. And that new life is the life of Christ living in us. You know that beautiful text we quote so often, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I'm not dead, I'm alive. Yes. Yet not I, but Christ. Now, dear listener, we are just going to take a short break here to uh, come back right after these short messages. So stay tuned and we'll be with you very soon. Thanks for joining me. In a certain sense, our modern society has fenced us off from some of our basic human obligations. Today, in many parts of the world, the poor are assisted by the government. Now, I'm not suggesting that's a bad thing, but it's a system where people don't really have to take care of others because the government does it. Now, if you look around, there are plenty of ways that you can help those who are less fortunate than yourself. That being the case, what are you doing? Maybe something, maybe not. Listen to Proverbs 28, verse 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. God's pretty clear about this. He will honor you when you care for the poor. And if you don't, oh, that's clear too. 
Were you ever helped by somebody? How did that feel? Watch for the opportunities God brings to you to help the poor. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. Dear listener, welcome back. We are continuing our study from this beautiful book, Steps to Personal Revival by Helmut Horbel. And it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about the importance of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to talk about planning and strategy. So, Colin, is there an issue with planning and strategy as being part of your work for the Holy Spirit? Well, I guess whose plans are they and whose strategies they are? Okay. Are they our own? Yeah. Or are they God's Word? Mm. Are they Holy Spirit-led? Yes. And, you know, and we need to look for good solutions and methods uh, for the church That's to com- do its mission. The Lord wants things to be done decently and in order, so you can't just run haphazardly. There's got to be a process to follow. Obviously, that has been inspired by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. That's right. And when you mm. look at the book of Acts, it really should have been called the... what. The, uh, the Acts of the Holy Spirit the Acts rather of the Holy than Spirit, the Acts, Acts of, of the, the Apostles. apostles yes. That's right. And it, ha- and it mainly has to do with strengthening the church spiritually mm. and winning more souls. That's what it has to be to do with. You know, I've been around for a few years now, uh, 25 years, and, you know, I've seen lots of methods and strategies and programs. You see them all the time. Yes. And uh, we're very industrious. You know, we come up with lots of ideas mm. and strategies. and But I love what... The words of Dwight Nelson said at the general conference session in 2005. He says these words. Our church has exhaustively developed admirable forms, plans, and programs. But if we don't finally admit our spiritual bankruptcy, that is lack of the Holy Spirit, which has taken hold of many of us ministers and leaders, we will never go beyond a pro forma Christianity. Wow. We've got to finally admit our spiritual bankruptcy, lack of the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's trying to do things in our own own strength, carnal Christianity methods and plans. That's right. And sometimes it looks good because some people are very, very talented. Absolutely. And it looks good. Mm. And so and we need to do something. And also love what Dennis Smith said as well. He says, I have nothing against plans, programs and methods, but I am afraid that we often depend on these things to move God's work forward. Plans, programs, and methods will not complete God's work. Great speakers, wonderful Christian concerts, satellite broadcasts won't end God's work. God's Spirit will end the work. God's Spirit that speaks and serves through spirit-filled men and women. Powerful statement that, isn't it? Very powerful. Nothing against plans, and I've got nothing against plans and strategies. God uses plans and strategies, Mm. but it needs to be filled and moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, you know, it's... We want to be doing baptisms and winning souls. And the Bible shows us that the Holy Spirit is a crucial prerequisite for winning people to Christ. Mm. We look at the book of Acts. It was always led by the Holy Spirit, divine right. appointments continually through the book of Acts. Interestingly, even when they had a plan to go somewhere and then God says, no, I don't want you to go there. Macedonia needs you. You go to Macedonia. That's right. That's yeah. right. And we can see that in our churches as well, you know, right throughout the world. We have some churches that are growing and some churches that are not growing hmm. or that are stagnant or shrinking. It's true. Uh, and we know that our world number of our church is like we're speaking specifically here of the seven-day Venice church that, that we're part of. And I know that it's growing at 3,000 people are being baptized every day. Every day. Every day. 3,000 people are being baptized It's almost like Pentecost every day. And so some places in the world, it's growing. Yes, numerically, yeah. But some places, it's not, especially Mm. in the Western world. Yeah, first world countries, it's not the same numeric growth you get out of what we call third world countries typically or developing countries. That's right. And I've always wondered why, you know, and we've got 
many plans and strategies in the first world. We have more resources, financial resources, than the third world countries. Mm. Yet we're declining or stagnant and they're growing. That's right. So you have to question why. Are we being spirit-led or are we putting methods and strategies by our own ways and by our own methods? Yeah, this is the thing, you know, even the last church, the seventh church in the book of Revelation, the Laodicean church or the church of the Laodiceans, it's not that they have a lack of works. So I know your works, but they're not cold and they're not hot. They are lukewarm. So there's lots of works, but is this what God has inspired? Is it spirit-led? Is it based on the word of God only? Many people will probably say yes, but unless the Holy Spirit has filled our lives and we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that lukewarmness will continue, and we are quite clear from the Bible that that lukewarmness is not something that warms God's heart. That's right. So is it the lack of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I believe for the so. lack of progress yeah. in, say, first world countries. True repentance. And, I mean, you spoke about the, about all these plans that we want to make. Until we actually say that, look, our plans within themselves will not fulfill the gospel commission, until we acknowledge the fact that there's a problem, we will not try and seek the solution. And ultimately yeah. the solution is to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I, I agree, too, that it's harder to do evangelism yes. and soul winning Nowadays, in first world countries because yes. – because of the wealth of the countries, yeah. it's not that there's a need of God in their lives. And I know in some of the third world countries, there is a need of God in their lives. Mm. They're lacking you know, material sources, so they're more open uh, to God. That's right. And so, yeah, Materialism does actually make us feel quite independent. But we all grow old and we all die. And we obviously ultimately need to know that we have been connected with our maker through Jesus Christ. That's so true. we can have eternal life. And so I believe the lack of the Holy Spirit in this great effort, well, in this great effort, has led to loss of funds and time since we pursued unnecessary or unsuccessful ways. Mm. And I love this quote by, uh, there's a couple of quotes by Ellen G. White that illustrates this situation. And one of them is why the Lord doesn't bring many souls to our church. Okay, I mean, it's just a question that was asked, and this is what she said. Okay, this is from Testimonies to the Church, Volume 6, page 370. So the Lord does not now work to bring many souls into the truth because the church members who have never been converted and those who were once converted but who have backslidden. What influence would these unconsecrated members or carnal Christians have on new converts? Wow. So what's God saying? What she's saying? They're just saying God's saying it's not a safe place. Yeah. Well, isn't that a terrible saying to say they're actually better off outside at the moment because in some I, instances? Because if I bring him now now to hear the message, the three angels' message mm. that I've given the church to give to the world, if I bring them in now, you make make none effect of that message. Yes. And they might just go straight out and say, this church is not converted. Mm. Many people in the church are not converted or they once were converted mm. and have backslidden. And so you'd make none effect of the testimonies that we've been given. In other words, the three angels' message, that's the right. everlasting gospel. Because the fruit's not there. That's right. Yeah. Now the Lord help us. And here's another quote that she said as well about sometimes the condition of our church. Hmm. So this is from Testimonies, Volume 9, page 189. If we would humble ourselves before God and be kind and courteous and tender-hearted and pitiful, there would be one Hundred converts to the truth where now there is only one. So what she's saying, what's lacking in the church there? What word? Love. Yeah. Love, kindness, courtesy, tenderheartedness, pity. So, th- so the fruits of the Spirit mm. aren't seen in the church. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm 
been I've traveled a lot in my in my times around the world and I've been to some churches that are very loving and like that and I've been to some churches that just aren't like that. That's right. And you know the thing is if we're not part of the solution we're actually part of the problem. And, and well, I have to say that at many times in my own life I've been a carnal Christian, I've been part of the problem. Yeah. You know, and we criticize and arguing and yeah. debating, yeah. you know, and, and there's no love mm. amongst each other. And on the other hand, we have the baptism people who aren't prepared sufficiently as well. So what happens? We have new people coming. They're baptized, but they haven't been converted. Yes. Okay. They haven't been converted. And this is what she says as well. Says the new birth is a rare experience in this age of the world. This is the reason why there are so many perplexities in the church. Many, so many who assume the name of Christ are unsanctified and unholy. They have been baptized, but they were buried alive. Self did not die, and therefore they did not rise to newness of life in Christ Jesus. And that is from Manuscript Releases 148, 1897. Wow. Mm. And that was the truth for me, Etienne. I remember when when I I did the Bible studies, and uh, I understood all the truths and the prophecies, and I understood the the, uh, teachings of of God's Word, and... uh, I was baptized, but I didn't die. I hadn't died to self. Mm, likewise, ha- same I, for me. I hadn't died to self. I was sincere based on what I knew, but even when I spoke to the pastor who baptized me, he said, "Look, we didn't really talk about it. We spoke about being born again and all that, but we didn't understand what baptism actually represents—burial in Christ. We baptize into Christ's death. So you're dying to self. What does it dying mean to, to be self. dying to self then? It's to deny self, to take up our cross, like Jesus did. Is, and is to there follow repentance him. in dying to self? Absolutely. So if you had things in your life that you hadn't repented of, mm. have you died to self? No. And this is we're talking about known sin because there are things that we don't know oh, about ourselves. Yes. But what God has revealed, are yes. we prepared to leave that, place that on the altar of sacrifice, you know? Yeah. Are we to say, Jesus, you've paid the price for those sins. I ask for forgiveness and receive your righteousness. Your forgiveness and your righteousness, please give me your Holy Spirit. You know, and I was, you know, rushed so rushed to get baptized mm. because sometimes at church we look at baptism as the you know that's our a way of measure. That's our measuring stick of success. Yes, but it really should be on disciples. It mm. should be a measure of success. Is disciple many, is someone who follows in the footsteps of Jesus. He does what Jesus did exactly. Yeah, and the result of that will be obviously be you will be baptized. Mm. And so we're baptizing people half alive, who haven't died to self, who have not and been that, crucified with Christ. And that's what happened to me. Mm. And so for many years in the church, for the first twelve, you know, ten or so years, I was a carnal Christian. Hadn't died to self. Me too. And it mm. took a, it took something. Um, you know, God had to really, you know, bang my head against the wall, if I can say that. Bring allow a crisis to come in my life. Yes. Uh, to to get my attention, and to realize mm. that I hadn't died to self. Some and, for and some I of us been baptized with the Holy Spirit either. Yeah. Some of us are a little bit stubborn, Colin, and some of us need more than one crisis sometimes to get us back on track. That's right. Yeah. And that's what I love. What um, Ellen White says: they have been baptized, but they were buried. Alive, mm. and that was what happened to me. And I'm sure that maybe has happened to many people. Yes, uh, self did not die, and therefore they did not rise to newness of life in Christ. Mm. And that was written in 1897. Mm. And so I believe the situation is the same today. The yes. problem is whoever isn't born again hasn't been filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm. Well, Jesus says now in John chapter three and verse five, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot. Enter the kingdom of God That's right And isn't it true that we meet With a lack of the Holy Spirit In nearly every single area mm. So let's talk yeah. about So the first thing is 
you know, we need to die to ourselves. Yes. Like Peter said on the day of Pentecost to the, to the people he just preached to, they were cut to the heart in Acts chapter 2. What should we do? Yeah, it says repent. So what's step one? Be baptized. Repentance. That's the first step is to repent of your sins. You come as you are. Mm. Jesus says, come as you are. And then he'll give you repentance and you repent of your sins. And then he says, and then be baptized. Mm. And then you too shall receive the promise of your Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist said, you know, show fruits of your repentance. That's right. Repentance is a call. Jesus even called to repentance. We see that in even... Uh, is it verse 1 of Mark chapter 1 where Jesus starts preaching the gospel? He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist, repent the kingdom of God, heaven. Peter, the apostles, repent. Mm. So it always starts with repentance. The call to repentance is part of, part of preaching the gospel. Now you look at ancient Israel. Right through Israel, there was always a call by the prophets, repent and turn to God and keep his commandments. Yes. It was always a call back to God mm. call of repentance because they were, you know, whatever they were, yeah. the sins they were mostly in idol worship, but all sorts of things. Call back to repentance. And then when they turned back to God and the Commandments, God poured out his Holy His Spirit upon them and they prospered. That's right. They prospered. Mm. So we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost and even preaching. Okay. You know, God tells us the following about the meaning of the Holy Spirit and preaching. And this is what he says. It says, The preaching of the word will be of no avail without the continual presence and aid of the Holy Spirit. This is the only effectual teacher of divine truth. Only when the truth is accompanied to the heart by the Spirit will it quicken the conscience to transform the life. One might be able to present the letter of the word of God. He might be familiar with all its commands and promises. But unless the Holy Spirit sets home the truth, no souls will fall on the rock and be broken. No amount of education, no advantages, however great, can make one a channel of light without the cooperation of the Spirit of God. Now, who was that written by? Desire of Ages. This is Alan White, and this is page 671. In the book Desire of Ages. Mm. So the preaching of the world will be of no avail without the continual presence and aid of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. This is the only effectual teacher of divine truth. And when the truth is accompanied by the heart, by the spirit, it will quicken the conscience to transform the life. In other words, the words the preaching will say will convict the hearts of the listeners, all right? And they will, and the souls will what? Fall on the rock. The rock is Jesus Christ. Christ amen. And they need to fall and be broken. Mm. And, and no amount of education, no advantages, however great, can make one channel of light without cooperation of the Spirit of God. What a powerful... Um, Powerful testimony that is. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit that makes effectual the preaching of the gospel and makes effectual our witness. Our program, You Shall Receive Power When the Holy Spirit Has Come Upon You, is so important. This is what the focus of this program is. And this is a call for people to come back. Really, it's a call to repentance, to turn away from what we've done in the past, to now step out in newness of life under the power of the Holy Spirit because we have asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and by faith we have received it. Just like ancient Israel had turned to their idols, Mm. spiritual Israel, modern-day Israel today, the spiritual Israel, and we are part of spiritual Israel. That's right. We've turned each to our own idols. Mm. And the idols mightn't be a piece of wood (laughs) or a stone or another god, but they can be another god. It could be the god of sport. It could be the god of television. It could be the god of whatever it is. That is your focus that you put before God. Before God, that's right. Anything that takes first place in our life is our God, is our idol. It's easy to Mm. turn to those things. And God's saying, repent of that and turn to me. Turn back to me. Amen. 
So preaching doesn't only take place during a sermon, but also in lectures, Bible studies, or even in small groups. Right. Uh, I love what Randy Maxwell says. Yeah, this is from his book, If My People Pray, page 11. It says, but the truth is we're dying of thirst for contact with the living God. Wow. So is the lack of the Holy Spirit also the cause of fear? And, and uh, what I love what uh, Emilio, I hope I get this right, Net, Netchel? Nectal, yeah. Nectal? <laughs> yeah, well, you're guesses. South African, aren't you? And I am, but uh, that's, that's a little bit tricky, that one. So um, let's go with Emilio Nectal. Okay, and it says, Why don't we succeed in turning this corrupt world upside down? Something has gone wrong with our convictions. We are afraid of conflicts. We are afraid of run-ins. We are afraid of difficulties. We are afraid of losing our job. We are afraid of losing our reputation. We are afraid of losing our lives. So we keep silent and hide. Mm. We are afraid to proclaim the gospel to the world in a loving and yet powerful manner. What a powerful statement that is. So it's fear that keeps us from doing these things. Right. And because what is, why? Because we don't have power. And what is the opposite of fear? Faith. Yeah, faith. That's faith. right. Faith. Yeah, and love. We're, we're, mm. we're fearful because we're political correct today as well. That's correct. Now, we all very, you know, want to be politically correct. You know, I love with that. We're afraid of conflicts. We're afraid of run-ins. You know, I've been reading the great controversy in a mm. small group at, at church each Wednesday. We come together and pray. Okay. And we've been reading the great controversy, which is going through all the, it's going through right, right through the church 2,000 years ago. And it's going right through the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther, all these reformers, and that the boldness they had. And all of them, when they boldly preached, their lives were at stake. Mm. You know, they were threatened with imprisonment, fines, death. Uh, being cast out of the church, yet the boldness they went along with all that. And here today, you know, in some countries, yes, that is still happening, especially in certain countries around the world. You know, you can't preach and teach openly. But let's be honest, in the first world countries, we can preach openly. That's right. Yet here we are. We don't do it. We're fearful. We, uh, we're afraid of losing our job. We're afraid of losing really our reputation, our lives. So we what? We mm. hide. You know, there's many countries, third world countries, where you, we spoke about just before, where the, the gospel is flourishing. Lots of people coming to the Lord, lots of baptisms taking place. But in those countries where there's restrictions, whether it be communism or other mm. religions, Sharia law, where the church goes underground, the church underground is actually flowering. But this is at the detriment or even the peril of their own lives that they preach. Yes. They could be thrown in prison. They could be executed. Yes. Yet. They are bold. Why? Because they have been given power because they have received the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know there's many underground authors through China, I'm sure, in mm. Korea and places, where, you know, in, in um, you know, certain Islamic countries where where it's, you know, it's frowned upon to be a Christian. Yes. Uh, it's underground. Mm. And then they're, and they're at their lives and uh, are at stake. Yes, they are. Uh, mm. But they're so bold. And I love what the solution is really the problem is found in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, really tells what the difference was with the disciples because they also were were persecuted, put to the stake. They were sent to the lions, you know what I mean, yes. in the early church. And even in the dark ages, if you didn't agree with what the main main church, the uh, papal church, was, was teaching, you were mm. put to the stake or you're beheaded or this is right through for, for 2,000 years. That's right. And this is the reason why. Now, it's interesting that leading up to this, the, the council, the Sanhedrin, had threatened them mm. and say, you can't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And then they said in verse 20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And then they pray. 
They pray in verse 29. It says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. So what happens is almost another Pentecost experience because we read in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Key word there is boldness. Yeah. They ask for boldness in verse 29. In verse 31, they get boldness. How? Through the baptism, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, these are the same people who received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2. So once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't just mean it stops there. We've spoken on this program time and time again that you are to continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they have another type of Pentecost experience here. The same people who received the power at Pentecost now, four, what, two chapters later, receive another fresh Powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the sake of the gospel so they can proclaim it with boldness. And we look at before the day of Pentecost. Mm. Remember in John chapter 20, they were huddled together on the day of resurrection for fear of the Jews. They were fearful. That's right. It sounds like they were like us, our church today. Mm. But then, then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they go out preaching boldly even though they were threat lives oh, to were have threatened. that boldness and that power, yeah. Even though their lives were threatened, mm. just amazing. It is incredible. So we want to also talk about the Holy Spirit in our literature. Okay, you know, literature evangelism has been been there right from the start. Mm. I mean, you go through the Waldensians; they used to hide literature and sew it into their into their clothing. To and, the, yeah, and they would go around being peddling like as merchants and giving out literature when they had the to people. Out yeah. there, and even today, we have literature evangelists who are going out there giving out books, and literature evangelists with Bibles. The Bible is still the best-selling book in the mm, world every mm. year, and that's giving the Bible out is being a literature evangelist. And in those countries where there's persecution, the first thing that the persecuted church asks for, especially when there's restrictions to access to the Word of God, is to they ask for prayer and they ask for Bibles. Yes. Mm. So the the following is said about our literature. Let's just read what that is. What Ellen White okay. says about our literature and the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is from uh, a book by Ellen White and it says if the salvation of God is with the one that writes for the paper, the same spirit will be felt by the reader. Wow. A piece written in the spirit of God's angels approbate and impress the same upon the readers. Did I read that right, Colin? Yes. Yeah, so what piece, she's saying is, yeah. what, what she's saying is, if people who write, you know, articles and you know, even today are writing articles or books or you know, uh, magazines and things like that, if they're filled with the Holy Spirit, right, mm. the angels, right, the angels will impress the hearts. So they approbate it. Okay. Yes. Right. That's it. So a piece written in the Spirit of God, angels approbate and impress the same upon the readers. But a piece written when the writer is not living holy for the glory of God, not wholly devoted to him, angels feel the lack in sadness. Wow. They turn away and do not impress the reader with its because God and his Spirit are not in it. The words are good, but it lacks the warm influence of the Spirit of God. Wow. So the angels know when the Spirit of God is in the writing. In the writing, and when it's not. Yeah. And when it is, they impress hearts. And when it's not, they can't. They, they back can't off. Work with it. They back off. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, I just want to emphasize something. Naturally, everything we did wasn't wrong. By no means, mm. we've developed good and very good things. You know, we have some plans that are really good. Sure. And Godly certainly has blessed our human efforts as far as possible. But mm. the important question is, do we approach our duties as spiritual or carnal Christians? Yes. 
One thing is certain. When we struggle to find solutions on a carnal basis, that means doing things by our own ways, our own efforts. Our own thoughts and ideas. With our own talents, okay? Mm. Uh, One thing is certain. When we struggle to find solutions on a carnal basis, we will invest a lot of time in vain. We will perform many tasks which will be of no use. You know, what we really want to be doing is just be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. In other words, go and ask the Holy Spirit, what are your plans Mm. for us? A lot of times we go with our strategies and plans and say, we want God, can you please bless these strategies and these plans? Instead of going, ask God, what are your strategies and plans? And going to his word and following his word and, and counsel with the prophets. That's right. You know, Dennis Smith there writes in his book, uh, 40 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Revive Your Experience with God. This is on page 175. It says, the former rain being filled with the Holy Spirit brings us the necessary spiritual maturity which is essential so that we can benefit from the latter rain. Wow. And I love what Ellen White says as well in the spirit of prophecy. She says, The latter rain, ripening the earth's harvest, represents the spiritual grace right, yeah. that prepares the church of the coming of the Son of Man. So we need the latter rain right, mm. that gives us spiritual grace to prepare for the second coming of Jesus. But I love what she says here. But unless the former rain has fallen, yes. this is the early rain, that was available, I mean, available since Pentecost. There'll be no life, no green blade will spring up unless the early showers have done their work. The latter rain can bring no seed to perfection. What she's saying is the early rain from the day of Pentecost yes. is what grows us into the likeness of Jesus and gives us power to witness. But if it hasn't done its work, mm. the latter rain will have no effect on, on that person. That person basically won't receive the latter rain unless they've received the early rain and not only received it, but grown the early rain. The latter rain does not germinate the seed. The latter rain just simply brings the plant to maturity for the harvest. That's right. She used the word perfection, which just means maturity. It's the same same idea. Mm, And that comes from The Faith I Live by page 333. Well, Colin, that's all we have time for. Uh, today for this program And dear listener We pray that God has blessed you That uh, you have thought about you Your stance before the Lord as, as well God loves us The Bible tells us That the long suffering of the Lord is salvation Now I know he's been long suffering with me Perhaps he's been long suffering with you as well We pray that God would bless you That he would bring you that spirit of repentance And the desire to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit Because you also will receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you May God bless you Until we meet again
been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.